Welcome, everybody, to Brine Time with Jake and Jeremiah. I'm Jake. I'm Jeremiah. Together we form Brine Time. Time. I thought you were, anyway. Yeah, I, I should have done Brine. You should have done Time. Ah, next time. Ah, okay. You know, we gotta, we're got we mid-season here. right now. Yeah. We got a lot more chances at this. But yeah, Pickles Baseball is on the uptick. I, on the up and up. I feel good about it. Me There's too. some guys getting off the schneid, and the, the whole you know, team was on the schneid. It was the team wide schneid. The team wide schneid. You sound like George Costanza. <laughs> a team wide schneid, Jerry. It's a team wide schneid. It's a team wide schneid. But seriously, the bats were not really connecting. Connecting. Yeah. With the balls. With the balls. You got to put the ball on the ball and the bat on the bat. Yes. And this is the why they called you. on the ball. You are baseball expert. Yes. <laughs> anyway, the Pickles won the se- the weekend series. Before that, they got swept by Corvallis, which Corvallis, those games don't even count. They're seriously on like a. They're on a different planet right 12 now. 12-game win streak. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, they're. It's nuts. They're a really good team. The Pickles won Future Baseball Night. And that, you know. Which was great. And that was a lot of fun. Jake and I actually got a very nice write-up in the Portland Tribune yep. from our friend, uh, Kyle. Yep. And even the owner of the Pickles said nice things about us. It was very good, very complimentary. And that was really fun. Some people on Twitter talk some shit, and that's fine, Whatever. People that, what do they say? They just didn't like the rules? Yeah, oh, that's what people want is change the rules it's an on 4th of game. July. Yeah. and it, Oh, some one person said, oh, it's not really fair. You didn't tell Corvallis the rules were changing, all these things. And it's like. Oh, I'm sure the Pickles are studying those new rules daily. Yeah, the, everyone agreed everyone, to the rules yeah. before they happened. Corvallis fielded Like, we didn't spring all, this on them. all pitchers. Yeah, everyone knew what was happening. It, it was a very they fun, had a fun night. Time. They wore tidy white, like they were, they were showing off their leg muscles. It was, it was great. It was hot. It was anyway, hot stuff Corvallis, but pickles bring in the Yakima, Yakima Valley Pippins, Pippins, the Pippins, and lose the first game one to one nothing. to nothing. Second game, it's one to nothing in the ninth. Maybe no. the eighth. Yeah. Eighth. Okay, yeah, yeah. One or nothing in the eighth. Yep. And I literally, I turned to Alan Miller, owner of the Pickles, and I say, tell me we're not going to lose one to nothing again. Right then. Crack of the bat. Home run. Tie ball game. Tie ball game. Tenth inning. Uh, bottom of the tenth. Bottom of the tenth, because the Pickles are up. Yep. Get a double, and then, boom. Hit one down the line. Yep. Walk off fashion. Team building. Bonding. Because the next game that I was at, Sunday game, they ended up winning 11, I want to say 11-4, to 11-3. Uh, 
crushed. Yeah. Crushed it. It was great. Michael Perzan pitched that, right? Yep. He started yesterday. Yep. Threw a gym, and, and then it was like uh, Latrell, Lambo. everybody's hitting him out. I think uh, they just could not. They, they got like two. It's between two to four runs with two outs. Uh, like they just could not get the pickles out. Like they couldn't get the last out in one of these innings. They ended up running it up like six runs in an inning. So yeah, very fun game to be a part of. It was just nice to see a lot of offense. A couple home runs were hit. Uh, yeah, just a fun. You know, I don't know. And it's just everything is easier when it's winning baseball. Yeah, you know, no, the like the fans are having a better time. I'm having a better time. That walk off was insane. It was. It felt like we had won, like yeah. clinched something or won something, yeah. and it was just a regular old Saturday night game. But people were hugging, people were like picking each other up. Like it was seriously super fun. But it it has a lot to do with a lot of these uh, the new guys that they're bringing in. Uh, I know Casey Hunt is one of the new names. Yep, he's been playing third, I believe, doing really well making some contact, putting the ball in play. And it things are things are going in the right direction. I feel like everybody's happy about it. And now we got this, you know, week worth of exhibition games. We got the yeah. guys from Australia, we got the kids coming up from San, San Francisco. Francisco. Seals are coming up. So the, I don't know, uh hopefully that keeps the momentum building. Yeah, it might be interesting in the right direction. I mean, I'm sure they'll just be interested to play teams that they don't normally see, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the timing of it's a little strange as, as everyone else in the league continues on their schedule, and we're kind of hot within the league right now. I'd like to see like us winning league games, but you I never know. You never just know because the second out. half, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we keep building in the right direction. We get even more guys. Davis Delorfus is coming back. Yep. Uh, early this week, I believe, and so we're gonna. I think we're gonna start moving in the right direction. As a whole team, because yeah. it's been like, okay, the bats are cold, the pitching's good, pitching's, you know, yeah, kind of Everybody hanging. got to just click now. It's time to gel. I feel like it's, it's on its way. like Voltron. Well, and that's all you need, right? The second half of the season, that's all we got to do. It's basically 0-0. Zero, zero. Like, the standings were 2-1 and one in this half, of the, this half yeah. of the season. We're 2-1, and one, and then you just keep going down the line. Because, again, the first half of the season's over, so the Corvallis Knights won – are handily yes uh they won the uh, first half so they could lose every game and it doesn't matter they'd still be in the playoffs because they secured that first half yes. spot so now the pressure is on to kind of snag that second half one get these wins and make it into the playoffs so we're absolutely stoked. it's a pickle report that's a pickle report baby nice and easy go pickle <laughs> Pickle of the week. Time now for pickle of the week, where we uh, give the old tip of the hat to one of the most outstanding pickle players on our roster this week. Who do we got, Jeremiah? Jonathan Kelly. Jonathan Kelly. Yeah, he's a pitcher slash infielder from Xavier. Freshman. You say Xavier? Xavier? I say Xavier. You just the X is silent. Yeah. It probably that's probably right. Yeah, yeah. I think it is Xavier. I think X Xavier sounds kind of cool Xavier. though. Xavier, Xavier, Xavier McDaniel, the basketball guy. Yeah, the X Man. X Man. That was from when I was a kid. Xavier Seattle Supersonics. Yeah. Anyway, Jonathan Kelly, uh, he's pitched. He's had some bumps in the road as far as pitching goes. He's 
He's got an ERA that's uh, up around nine. But he's had some clutch hits lately. And one of them was profiled in the Portland Tribune article where you and I, we got the entire 3,000 people in Walker Stadium. I think what we had said is Commissioner Rob Nyer says that if if you get a safe bunt, it's a home run. Is that what we said? Well, well, the rule was if you bunt, it's a double. Oh, if the bunt is a double. Right, right. So we were like, come on, bunt. And when there was a one one guy on, I think on second. Right. So it, it like, would have hey, been. Yeah, we could score a run. Yeah, by a you, bunt. If you get a double bunt. Yeah. And so the whole crowd is yelling, bunt. Almost 3,000, which was all I really wanted to do. I wanted to see if I could get 3,000 people to chant bunt. Yeah. Because you're never going to see that at a baseball game. Also, we should say is like Jeremiah and I were giving uh, a lot of leash because yes. it was an exhibition game. Like, so normally, if you are at these games, and I've mentioned on the podcast, we're we're told like you can't you can't say anything while the game action is happening on the mic. So once basically the batter's in the box and the pitcher's on the rubber, right. our job we can yell just vocally, but you can't do it on a mic. Right. But since this was an exhibition game, it was these wacky rules, we were kind of you know, we were talking a little spiciness to some of the Corvallis guys. And, uh, you know, we were allowed to kind of cheer on our guys a little bit more. So, yeah. Jeremiah, while this guy, you know, he's in the bun- he's in the batter's box, normally wouldn't be allowed to say it, but he's like, come on, lay it on the bunt. And so everybody starts, bunt, bunt. And homeboy just shakes it off. Yeah, uh, according to the article, he looked down, and I think Manzardo was yeah. third base coach. Yeah. And he was like, just shook his head like, no. I'm not listening to these idiots. Right. <laughs> you can't make me bunt. And then he hit a bomb. He hit it out over the left field fence, and it was just mad. It was one of those moments that yeah. I'll never forget yeah. because I was, you know, like in a very passive way involved in it. But it was like all these people, and it was just like it was battle a, shut it them was up a badass m- move, dude. Like it I, was. It's like one of those moves that you're like, yeah, I wish I could do that. Yeah, like he's just like because you want a bunt. How about a two run bomb? And he smashed it. On the next pitch, like that was the coolest he bat thing. Flipped. Yeah, yeah, and then he, and then because he, and he even said in the article, it's like, whatever, I'm not trying to show you, but it's an exhibition game, so you might as well time. throw a little bat, little yeah. flip on it. So, so he smacks it, stares at it for a second, and just gives this nice flip, and uh, it was beautiful. And then the whole crowd is like People losing their nuts. minds because everybody was like, oh my People god, he shook nuts. off the ball, he hit a homer. It was awesome. That was super fun. He had that double the other night in the Corvallis, uh, or not Corvallis, in the Yakima uh, walk-off win. Yeah. That got us on the, you know, got things moving in the yep. bottom of the 10th. So he was the one who came in and scored that winning run. Got the run. run, yeah. So, I mean, he's just had some really clutch hits lately. He's been getting the ball in play, which I think is helping everybody else out. Yeah. And he's just been a, he's been a great addition to the team. We'll see uh, how many more times they run him out there to pitch. I'm sure that'll... Uh, work itself out as yeah. far as that goes. I think this is one of the guys I think he might have had Tommy John. Oh really? But maybe that's somebody else. Huh. But um I don't I don't think that he's had a bunch of pitching experience in the at least not in the West Coast League. He's okay. only he's only pitched a few games and he was doing really well and then he had like one rough outing. So anyway Jonathan Kelly, tip of the cap to you. I mean, just for the home run, that that gets you pickle of the week. Yeah, no I mean, what. if you had struck out every other at bat, but that you, all you did was that, you'd still get pickle of the week. That yeah. was just a ball. Like we have to salute the ballers. That was a baller. That move. was a baller move, bro. That was 
That was like pulling out a hundred when you're, you know. Right. It was just it was like, like the bill. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's five dollars, sir. He's just like keep the change. Yeah. You gave thanks. a ninety-five dollar tip on that yeah. one, buddy. Oh, you want a bunt? Here's a two-run homer. Yeah. Keep the change. Yeah. Bat flip out of here. Baller. Baller move. All right. Yeah. Jonathan Kelly. It sounds like he's a good Irishman. I like his name. I love it. So remind me again who we have. Manhattan style. Sonoma. Sonoma Brinery. Sonoma Manhattan Brinery. style. That sounds pickles. like a wine. Yeah. Place, the Sonoma Brinery. So we got these again from wonderful uh, Randall Lawrence here at Cranival Studios. He's cut them up nicely into pickle chips. Yeah. So uh, let's. Mmm, pickly. I think they're pretty good. They weren't the first one I had, though, because these are great. Yeah, I like these. It's got kind of a. It's got a little vinegary bite at the end. Very bitey. I got a little bit of a bite on that. But I like that. Yeah. I don't know that I love the flavor of it. It's a good pickle to me. It's like vinegary. You gotta like vinegar, I think. Like, sure. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't. There's no subtleness. It's not very dill. No. There's no dill flavor. It's just vinegar. Yeah. And it's got kind of an aftertaste. Kind of tastes like feet. In a not good way. Yeah, it depends on what your honestly position on feet is. Is this all the same pickle? I keep eating different bites like it's going to change. Okay. It's not the worst pickle I've ever had. I think with pickles, like, because there's such a variety of what you could get in terms of sweet, sour, dill, briny. Yeah. It's just like. This just doesn't have any flavor to me besides vinegar. This okay. This is like a vinegar vessel. Vinegar vessel. Vinegar vessel. All right. It's like something from the Bible. Is it? Vinegar Vessel? That's our new punk band? Yeah. yeah I like this. It's not terrible. This is good. We're going to say double A, because that's all we say anymore. We're very non-committal. It's hard, man. I think we've had a lot of pickle stuff. I've been holding on to these dill pickle seeds for the last three weeks, just waiting to spit those out on this podcast. But every yeah, time... I was, I was ready for that. Randall... I, I have... You got pork rinds, but I'm a vegetarian. Dill pickle, spicy dill pork rinds, which were actually considerably better than these. I can't that do that. Ate. I can't. Ah, come uh, on. Come on. The with the old they pork were pretty rinds. good, actually. Um, anyway. Well, yeah. again, Jonathan Kelly, baller move, pickles. Sonoma eating. Brinery, it's very briny. Manhattan style. I mean, maybe Manhattan style. Maybe like New York pickles are like this. I don't know much about Manhattan style, what Shouldn't that means. Maybe Thin crust? Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, it does, it's like a Jewish deli pickle to me. Thin, Thin crust, crust and foldable pickles. Yeah, there and you a go. a rat. It's on the back of a rat. That you there you chase go. Manhattan down. style. Yeah. Manhattan style. Red clam chowder. I love Noriko. Is that the red clam chowder? Is the Manhattan style. Noriko Odd has that wonderful joke. Like, he used to live in New York City. and goes, yeah, New York, it's like a place where you can see a rat running away with a panini yet you can't afford. I just... <laughs> Such a little line about life in New York. But, uh, all right, well, that was Pick of the Week. Go Picks. Another K for the K-Man. Give it up for Ron the K-Man out there. All right, everybody. Well, we are here with League Commissioner Rob Nyer, and uh, very excited to have him on. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. We are stoked to have you. We saw you out at the future baseball night at Walker Stadium just a few days ago, so I uh, thought we'd bring you in and, you know, get get some info from the man on the top of the mountain. <laughs> it uh, doesn't always feel that way. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, why don't you just start kind of with your your bio, your kind of your story in baseball, or how do you kind of ended up in this in this world? So you have four hours, is that correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I've been at this for a long it's time. A tight four uh, no, hours. I actually have been asked that question enough times over the years. I imagine. That, yeah, you must that have I an can answer. Zip off something into the three elevator minutes. version. Yeah. Uh, I was a a huge baseball fan, huge sport, sports fan as a kid. I was one of those kids who loved everything. Football, basketball, baseball, uh, hockey when we lived in North Dakota and Minnesota when I was a kid. So uh, I, I played and loved every sport. Um, not that I was any good at them, but I loved all the sports. Hey. And I also loved books, so I loved reading about sports. Uh, um, but growing up, I had no idea what you were supposed to do if you loved sports. I just didn't have any ambition. I knew I wasn't good enough to play. Um, how early? Did, how, I always like to know how early kids yeah, are like, a, yeah, I'm not going to be a pro. I don't think I ever actually had that specific thought, but I was. I, I realized that whenever there were, uh, whenever there were chances to move up, on the ladder, right? I was failing. Uh, I mean, if I was, if there were two baseball, if there were two baseball leagues, uh, I was going to play in the lesser league. Right. If there was a, if there was a a, a, a block off in football practice to see who got to start that week, I was going to lose. Yeah. Just, and those sorts of things happen often enough where you don't make the team, or you were rooting, uh, and then your B team go, goes zero and eleven. You start realizing maybe I'm not cut out for this professionally. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there were a lot of B teams. Uh, there were a lot of disappointments. Uh, so, uh, but I never stopped loving to play. I just knew I wasn't going to be great, um, and uh, I never stopped. I never gave. I never stopped loving being a spectator and 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 reading about baseball, but. The sort of the salient moment in my my life, sports wise, and uh, I have a very vivid memory of this. Um, I walked in. I was a freshman, just starting my freshman year at the uh, University of Kansas. I walked into the bookstore on day one or day two uh, uh, classes, uh, and um, I saw this book, the Bill James Baseball Abstract, and I was in the throes of passion for the Kansas City Royals, had been for years. And at that moment, they were involved in a pennant race. So I was sort of extra uh, excited about baseball, listening to every single game on the radio. Uh, uh, and uh, I picked up this book, and within, I don't know if it was just the back cover, it was one page, I realized I have to have this book. I can't leave the store without, without buying this. And uh, took it home, devoured it, over the course of a few hours or maybe the weekend and um, and knew that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be Bill James, basically. He, and he changed the way I thought about baseball uh, and to some degree the way I thought about the world. Uh, but I had no idea how one would go about doing that. And so the next four years was basically uh, uh, essentially a very protracted process of flunking out of college. Uh, it took four years, basically. <laughs> Played it, the long game. But it did happen, yes, the long, exactly. Uh, uh, I, I read a lot of baseball books, watched a lot of Cubs games and Braves games on Superstations. Sure. Um, uh, That's what it was but all about. But didn't study a whole lot. Didn't go to a lot of classes, skipped some finals along the way. I mean, it was, it was not, not a great situation. 
Um, Great college basketball, though. Yes, I was there in 88 when KU won the championship, and that was a pretty thrilling moment. I went to a lot of games, saw Danny Manning play a lot of games. Some people might remember that name. Um, so it was, a, it was a good time to be a fan, a sports fan there in Kansas, but uh, not so great for me as a student. Long story short, and I've already gone longer than I thought I would, but um, roofed houses for nine months, and out of the blue, I wound up with a job working for Bill James, which is a whole other story, but it, just, it was just a pure luck. We had a mutual friend. Bill happened to live 30 miles from me in Lawrence. I lived in Lawrence. He lived 30 miles away, and when he was looking for an assistant, I wound up with a job uh, with no qualifications, um, terrible grades. I lied about my transcript so he wouldn't find out. I mean, I did it whatever I could. Not proud of that. Um, at this <laughs> should point. be. Yeah, come I on. Should, you're here. I yeah, guess. That's the story We're a couple of comedians, dude. man. way into a job I <laughs> yeah. didn't deserve, but uh, I've always felt a little guilty about it. We're all about padding those credits. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyways, I went from working for Bill, freelancing for a bit, working for a company called Stats Inc., which is still quite big on the sports landscape. Uh, and then I, after that, I wound up with um, um, ESPN for 15 years and then a couple of other outfits. And, and, uh, uh, and now here we are. Yeah. Commish. Commissioner. The commissioner of the West story. Coast League, yep. uh, host of the Sabercast podcasts. And um, so what is your – do you have a title with Saber? If you don't know, the Society of American Baseball Research. I'm a member now. I paid my $65 uh, dues. So – I'm uh, technically a member, but do you have a title with them, or you're just kind of the face of it That's on a it. lot of levels? Yes. Well, I just um, – I had been, I would say, a member forever uh, yeah. and a friend for some years. I've uh, moderated a fair number of panels and interviews at uh, more often – most often at the uh, – Sabre has two conferences every year. They have the annual convention, right. which is in the summer, and I've been going to that since the early 90s. Uh, and uh, they also have, for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, have been hosting a, an analytics conference in the spring down in Arizona. And I've moderated a number of panels and, uh, and things like that down there. So I've been sort of loosely associated with Sabre for quite a while. It's just the, these last few months that, that uh, I sort of officially yeah. have, have the podcast. You're just and, the best at it. Uh, <laughs> I, You're the best baseball I'm nerd they could find. I'm not sure why they chose me. I have done some podcasting before, uh, but uh, it, um, I mean, I'm sure you can relate. Uh, I am so blessed because I get, I choose the guests on the podcast. I'm just essentially choosing people who interest me. Right. And then I get to sit down and have a conversation with them, usually in, in a different room. Um, but I mean, just just uh, last week, I was uh, in San Diego for our, the annual conference, and um, I recorded four different episodes for the podcast. And these three, of these two of these were people that I've known for a long time. Two were people I've never spoken to except briefly, but all four were people that I really wanted to talk to for various reasons. And here I am. I mean, it gives you this amazing, and I guess it's sort of the, the Mark Maron paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. He just started deciding, I'd love to talk to that person. Right. How about this person? And you have an excuse. You can't just call up some person that you're fascinated by right. and say, hey, can we talk for 45 minutes? Right. They're busy. But the magic word podcast, all of a sudden, you got they're cred, saying, yeah. sure, what's, when, what time is good for you? And I, well, how about... Uh, how about 8.30 uh, next Tuesday? Great. 
and you get to have this conversation. So it here we are. It really is. Uh, I really feel I do feel blessed to be able to do it. It's a great podcast. I like listening to it. And one of the things you do on each episode is you pose these three questions to each guest, and uh, we never get to hear yours. So I'm going to ask you the three questions, which uh, the first one is always, what is your first baseball memory? I, I think my first is being called in from outside where I was playing to watch Hank Aaron break Babe Ruth's oh, wow. record in oh. 1970. I guess it was 1974. I always get the years. I believe it was in April of 74. Uh, right around the same time, I remember playing uh, a form of baseball in the neighbor's backyard. <clears throat> the, the game basically was just trying to hit the tennis ball over the fence, sure. which is always sort of stuck in my head too. But those two things, I guess they're both home run related, right? Yeah. Uh, kids love home runs. Uh, so, so those are my first two. I was listening to Sabercast and watching the Home Run Derby while I was at work instead of working. Hope they don't hear this, but they don't. Uh, okay, question two is, who's your favorite player? Well, my favorite player growing up, which is the question that I typically ask people. I don't really right. have a favorite player anymore. I, I tend to like knuckleball pitchers. Um, uh, but um, my favorite player as a kid uh, was a real – It's I didn't have a great deal of imagination as a child. I liked the best players. So the first player who really captured my attention was Rod Crew. Okay. Because I lived in the upper Midwest, and Rod Crew was, in the mid-'70s, the guy, at least in the American League, right? Sure. Um, so until I moved to Kansas City and became a huge Royals fan, Rod Crew was my guy. Okay. And so then did you have an uh, – so the third question is you, we're doing all four because you mix them up. The third one being uh, do you have an obscure baseball player that was your favorite growing up or is now? I would say that well, yes. Uh, a little later, uh, my my favorite obscure player was Bill Pacota, who was a uh, a utility infielder uh, for the Royals in the <clears throat> excuse me the late eight, mid to late eighties. I don't know why I liked him exactly. Uh, there was just something about him, and I remember specifically though that uh, I was at uh, I was in the the National Guard when I was in my early twenties and. Uh, uh, we were at summer camp in Colorado for two weeks one time, and uh, I had my my little transistor radio, and I listened to was listening to a doubleheader, and Pakoda had hit two or three homers against the Yankees in a doubleheader. And I hated the Yankees when I was I hated them because of what happened in 1976, and 1977, and 1978. <laughs> uh, it, it, they made me cry. Sure, uh, they were the first, the only baseball team that ever made me cry. So I hated them. So. Whenever the Royals beat the Yankees, it was a special treat. And, and, and Bill Pocota had a great uh, uh, doubleheader against them. And so for some reason, that stuck in my head. So I would always wear number 32 on, when I played softball. Okay. And by the way, uh, Bill Pocota's son, I believe his name is Nate, played last season and I think plays this season for the Victoria Harbor Cats of, oh, all, great. of all things. So wow. I haven't had a chance yet. What a to, connection. Haven't had a chance yet to meet him and tell him about wearing his dad's <laughs> number. But one of these days I hope. You'll have to do that, yeah. So then that brings us to the fourth question, which is what is your favorite way to uh, experience baseball currently? Let's go with that. Well I mean Sounds the, like you like the radio. Yes, that is absolutely right. Uh, there are two answers actually. One is visiting West Coast League ballparks, right? And that is the there. There are two. There are a lot of perks. Sure. Your commissioner. Uh, I don't even know if I have time to list all of them. Uh, but last season, 
I just kept ticking off one after another things that I'd never gotten to do. And, and all of a sudden I'm doing them. Uh, it was just amazing. But the, the, probably the two, the two best perks of being commissioner are one, being expected to visit every ballpark sure. during the season. There you go. I mean, if you're a baseball fan, all of a sudden somebody's paying you to travel around and go to, go watch baseball. Yeah. At all these in all these beautiful places, I'd never been to Victoria before, never been to Port Angeles before, uh, Kelowna. I mean, the list goes on. So that's fantastic. I went to eleven ballpark, or excuse me, ten last year. Um, I missed Walla Walla um, for various reasons, but. Uh, have been since, of course, and uh, this year I'll get to all 12 now that we have 12 teams in the league. So that's that's one answer. The other, you alluded to, alluded to it, I um, ever since I had a child, which was about four years ago, I do not find the time to actually watch baseball. Mm. Um, what I do every night is listen on my phone with yeah. the MLB <clears throat> at bat, app i think it's the at bat app yep, right sure it is in my opinion the greatest invention for baseball fans <laughs> since the radio yeah uh you know the, the the fact that you can literally listen to every single game and what is it it's 40 dollars a year or something i mean it's ri- ridiculous yeah anybody can afford anybody can afford to listen to every major league baseball game and uh i also find the radio um uh, i find it a more relaxing experience in television for various reasons. Uh, I like so, the radio also. So I just love to, I will turn on the, depending on when my daughter f- falls asleep um, or goes to bed, I will uh, look at all the games, see which one's closest uh, at, you know, at the, in, in the late innings and listen to that until it's over and then flip to the next one and just do that yeah. for a couple of hours. And it's just, it's just heaven. I do that at work. Um, all right. So I, I don't know where I heard this rumor. It might have been from you. I don't know. But the <laughs> your commissionership of the West Coast League started out as somewhat of a ruse. Like it was someone asked you to do it like kind of in jest, and then you ended up actually having to do it. Or can you explain that story in the – Well, you, Jeremiah, you might know more about how it all came down than I do because I, I, I really don't know exactly – you it's don't know. A, it's you such just a woke up one day and you were thing. the commissioner. Well, it felt that way. Yeah. Um, uh, I I decided that I at some point that I would wait until I wasn't commissioner to do a little digging and find out how it happened. Okay. I thought I think it might be a good story if I ever write a book. Yeah. About being a commissioner. Um, but what I what I can tell you is that um, I gave a speech at the. I, a baseball banquet. I wish I could remember the name. I believe it's the Portland Old Timers Baseball. Yeah, banquet, that sounds right. Or dinner um, a year and a half ago, and uh, it was a it was a speech about uh, baseball as America's national pastime, and sort of addressing the question: Is baseball still our national pastime? Uh, and um, it's not a great speech, and I'm not a great speech giver. I think it was okay, probably, uh, but. Um, uh, I do know that Dan Siegel, who uh, has uh, basically created the what has become the Corvallis Knights, yeah. many years ago. The Corvallis Knights, by the way, I should throw this in there. If you haven't already talked about it, and I'm sure you will at some point. They're on this un- unbelievable run. Uh, they win the championship almost every year. 
maybe more impressively, they've they've been to the playoffs 13 years in a row. That it almost seems mathematically impossible. Wouldn't you just have a bad year in there somewhere? But they never do. Uh, Unfortunately, they, not. They've already clinched. And we talked the first yeah, half. We've this talked season. about this quite a bit. Actually, they, I was in Walla Walla for the start of the season. They got swept. They were 0-3 to start the season. And I'm literally thinking to myself, well, I guess maybe this is that year when they don't, they're not quite good enough, right? It doesn't all come together. Since going 0-3, after going 0-3 to start, they went 20-3. and uh, Actually, 21-3 and now, uh, as we speak. So uh, it's just uh, an amazing run. And, uh, and Dan Siegel is the is the, 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 the through line for all that success. And Dan, I don't know if you've had him on the show. Dan's Not a, yet, no. Dan is a very humble uh, and incredibly uh, kind-hearted person. And he wouldn't take credit, but he's the one who's been there for all of it. Uh, so uh, just a testament to Dan and the whole organization. Anyway, back to Dan. Dan was in the audience when I gave this speech, and for whatever reason, he thought I might make have the makings of a, of a commissioner. Uh, and they just, at that moment, happened to be casting about for a new one, having run through a few presidents and or commissioners in a relatively brief, no, uh, small number of years. Um, so I don't know about a ruse. Um, I will tell you that, you know, we can sort of, I, I'd laugh about it with Dan now, that the job turned out to be a bit more than he suggested. Ah. Uh, uh, the good news for me was that uh, I had just finished my book and I had, quite frankly, nothing else going on that last summer. Sure. So I had the time, which turns out I needed. Yeah. Uh, Dan made it seem like it was, would be largely a, a ceremonial yeah, position. figurehead. Right. Yeah. And I might have, to, might have to jump in two or three times and uh, maybe make a ruling here or there. But it, uh, it turned into something a bit larger than that. Interesting. What okay. Is, um, I guess what is like a a day in the life of the commissioner, and what what kind of what what are some of the things that you the commissioner will would have to? I know, like, okay, so here's an example. Actually, in our own lives, is that uh, Jeremiah and I. Uh, one of the games that I we were hosting, the coach came up to me. Barkus was like, "Hey, you guys can't talk at all when the ball is in play." Uh, because I'm going to get kicked out. And then I was like, yo, and Alan Miller is our, you know, boisterous owner. And he's like, you guys got to keep talking. You got to keep, you know, come on, this is our Create whole field. Chaos. Yeah, yeah. Chaos, Create chaos. chaos. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, you're putting me in a position here because I'm not trying to get the coach kicked out. And I'm also not trying to be an asshole here. And I'm not, and I'm also not trying to not do my job well. And so I know he texted you. He's like, well, I've got Rob right now. I'm going to text him and we'll find out the rule. So I guess that is at least one thing I know that you might have to lay your opinion down on. But is that the kind of stuff that generally you get involved in is like kind of game mechanic stuff? And if anybody's doing something shady? Usually nothing quite that in-game specific because, frankly, I think the Pickles are the only team that does anything hires comedians to yeah, yell <laughs> right to create chaos yeah. alan alan upset is upset people alan is one of a kind uh, he and, is one of a kind uh, amen to that yeah. and and i think that uh people who most of the people who go to pickles games are very fortunate that he is because uh, uh it's it's a it's a really fun place to watch a game uh, uh but things do come up uh, not typically 
the in-game stuff. But uh, most of my job during the season is uh, relates to in-game, relates to discipline and ejections and suspensions. Sure. Um, uh, there are some ejections where the the consequences are automatic. If a player gets ejected uh, for something relatively routine, profane language, complaining about balls and strikes, um, it's basically an automatic one-game right. suspension. Uh, if he crosses certain lines, then you then you get into more of a judgment call. And all of the, these things are prescribed in the rules that we use, but there's also some judgment involved. For example, if you prolong an argument, that's X number of games. But prolonged isn't defined in the rules. Sure. So now I get to step in. What is prolonged? What is prolonged? It's like resisting arrest. Right. What exactly well, is that? Right. Define that. Uh, and uh, that's completely my call. And it's not my favorite part of the job. Um, because I, you know, I, I actually enjoy things, have typically enjoyed things, when it comes to sports anyway, um, where there's black and white. Right. Yeah. That's one thing I like about sports. Now, I also enjoy the grays. I get that. But um, uh, it, it's when you actually have to make a decision, it's nice to have blacks and whites. Sure. But when you have because when you have grays, somebody's going to be upset with with your decision. Sure. Um, uh, but that's a lot of it. In fact, the the first thing that I do every morning during the season, wake up, reach over to the side of the bed, pick up the phone. And check the email to see if anybody got ejected or suspended the night before. Right. Because oftentimes the uh, the uh, reports aren't re- aren't filed by the umpires until late at night or even yeah. the next morning. So uh, usually when I go to bed, I haven't heard any bad news. But when I wake up in the morning, there might be something. Uh, and uh, you know, depending on what it is, I might have to get up out of bed at six thirty and go start watching video, reading reports, crafting an opinion. Uh, the the, the the one thing that I owe every team is a decision rendered as quickly as possible because they have to plan for these things. Right. Who's sure. going to play tonight? Who shouldn't be on the team bus? Who should just stay home? Uh, those yeah. sorts of things. So, so that's most of most of the my job during the season is tied to. There's a lot. There are a lot more things that happen, but in terms of occupying my mental space, it tends to be about the, the nuts and bolts of suspensions and ejections, which is not that fun, but somebody has to do it, and I'm the guy. Yeah. So we, uh, we don't want to keep you much longer, but here's something that came up uh, based on a tweet because of uh, actually from Future Night, where somebody, somebody mentioned the fact that the Cape Cod League, which is supposed to be the premier collegiate woodbat, all the games in the Cape Cod League are free, and that uh, basically the West Coast League is – ripping people off by charging them admission. Uh, and then I went, you know, so then I've gone and I've researched uh, a lot of these collegiate woodbat leagues besides the West Coast League and uh, the North Woods, and there's all these different ones across the country. And they're not free. You know, people are char- – <laughs> and even the Cape Cod League, they pass a hat. Like, they they will make you donate money, and then there's a lot of fundraising that goes into it. But I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that? That just seemed like an interesting thing to me. And I wish I had mean, seen that. It, it is interesting. And of by course, the way, the tweeter of this tweet is uh, just clearly a curmudgeon we human would, being. Look, we would all love to have free baseball everywhere every night, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Right. Um, but uh, the, a couple of things about the Cape Cod League. I don't know how. I have not been to a game, and I'd love to sometime. But uh, 
they, for one thing, uh, they play in on high in high school on high school fields. Yeah, um, I looked up some of those. They um, they have basically no travel costs because they're all the teams are within. 15 or 20 miles of each other, sure. right? Or 30. So it costs almost nothing. We have teams that literally, as you know, are getting on buses in Kelowna and sure. driving to Corvallis. Yeah. Uh, a huge chunk of every team's expenses are tied to travel. Yeah. And and meals. In the Cape League, those, those expenses basically don't exist. And one more thing, the Cape League, like some other leagues, as you might have discovered are actually subsidized by right. major league baseball yeah i was gonna say um so if we made our league free there wouldn't be a league um right. nobody in the west coast league is making a mint uh even the pickles you go to and uh, i i have i don't know how much money alan makes but just as a person with who's been around baseball some and i hope i have a little common sense yes when you go to the games you see thousands of people there who purchase tickets and are buying beer, but that show that Alan puts on, it's not cheap. Trust uh, me, yeah. our salaries, Jeremiah and I alone, that's <laughs> We're a taking huge, a big right, right, right. So big huge I would chunk say that uh, probably half of every ticket sold, that money's going straight to you guys. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, you, I yeah. mean, I seen the way you live, and so I can mm-hmm. only assume you see the studio we're recording. That's it, right. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the these the, gilded the, gold uh, the fine art on the walls and yeah. the uh, this golden microphone that I'm speaking into. Yeah. The, these things aren't free. Yeah. So as someone who has seen all of the parks, uh, almost not you haven't been to Ridgefield yet. Oh, I've been to Ridgefield. Ridgefield. Okay. Yep. So um, put that into perspective. The show, like we went to a game in Port Angeles last season, and I don't know. I mean, is I don't want you to name like your favorite ballpark in the West Coast League or anything like that. But and you've already kind of alluded to the fact that the show in Portland is the show. Yes. Um, but it's, is yeah, it's just more fan experience. It seems like is there a com- lot of- is there like uh, a comparison between you know a game in Wenatchee, a game in Yakima or something like that compared to what we do here in Portland? Well, the only. I, I might get in trouble saying this, but the only Continue. experience <laughs> this is what we're looking for that I would say is remotely comparable um, in a meaningful way is probably Vic- the Victoria Harbor Cats. Right, and a lot of that is just that it's a like Portland, a relatively big city. Yeah, and they routinely get three, two, three, four thousand people, sometimes more. Yeah, they've had up that to ballpark. five. They, I want to say yeah. they lead the league in attendance every year and will for the foreseeable future because they play in a big ballpark in a big market. And they also put on a great show. It's not quite the same show. Nobody does the things that all the things that Alan does. Um, they got a zip line there. They, they the zip line is this season. They have some fantastic, uh, yeah. fantastic food carts in Victoria. Uh, it, it's just a, it's not the same experience, but in terms of just the, the energy Sure. Um, I, I would say it's the most similar to Portland, but beyond those two, really every ballpark is different. Uh, every town is different. Every 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 ballpark has sort of a different feel. Uh, Wenatchee feels just about what you would expect it to feel like. It's right. a, feels like a small town. You can sit on the berm uh, down the left field line. There's no fence. 
Oh. You, there's a line, a white line, and you're not supposed to sit on the other side of that white line, but sure. you feel like you're on the field. And uh, it's um, incredibly fan-friendly. Everybody's real nice. And there's it's uh, it's one of my favorite places to see a game because it's so beautiful in Wenatchee in the evenings, and you can sit on that berm. And But every ballpark that I've been to, and again, I've been to all of them, they all have something that makes them unique and makes them feel special. So do I have my favorites? Probably. Would I say which those were? No. Uh, sure. I don't have any non-favorites. I'll put it that way. I, I've had a gr- fantastic time at all 12 of the ballparks. Um, um, and the, to, to, to the degree that I've enjoyed some more than others, it's because of the sort of fan that I am. Sure. Um, and I'm sure that you could get somebody else and they would have exactly the opposite reactions, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've had. So they're all, I, I, I would recommend visiting all of them. I, I, I've not spoken to anybody yet who's been to all 12 ballparks, but uh, um, I think that would be a lot of fun. I've, yeah. I've loved it. I mean, that's, you talk about uh, finding a moment where you decided you wanted to be Bill James, right? Well, I'm, I think I want to be Rob Nyer. I mean, I want to go around like, uh, and not just the West Coast League, you know, like, how fun would it be to take a summer and just do the Northwoods League, the Cape Cod League, the yeah, West Coast League? Just like League. a road trip of collegiate wood bat. That would yeah. be very and fun. Then, I mean, and then go up exponentially from that. Then do, you know, uh, short a. season, single yeah. A, advanced single A, and just, like, just check them off, man. I mean, we've been, my wife and I have been working on just doing the major leagues. And we're, I think we're going to do Dodger in September, and that'll make us halfway. We have 15 parks, and we've kind of their spread shot throughout the country, you know, and we did, we did five parks in six days last summer with, uh, Yankee Fenway, uh, Camden, Camden national. So four, four parks in five days, you know? And so I'm a ballpark guy and it's like, that's, that sounds cool. And we, Jake and I, you know, we went up to Port Angeles last year, did a little road trip and we've been talking about maybe we, so here's here's a question. Here's a question for you. Yeah. If you're going to go to Port Angeles, all you have to do is get on the ferry, and you're in Victoria in an hour. Yeah. And that's so, like, I, I just today was planning the rest of my summer, and I've been trying to come up with a perfect combination of the, the cities that I still have to go to, and it was driving me crazy. And I finally realized, Rob, it, you cannot go to Port Angeles and not go to Victoria. Just start there and figure it out from, from that point forward. That makes forward. sense. So, so, yeah, I'll be, uh, end of next week, I'll be in uh, Port Angeles one night. Next morning, the ferry over, go to the game that night, then come back, grab my car, and drive back home. There nice. you go. Yeah. See, we're not actually allowed in Canada, either of us, <laughs> uh, for fugitive reasons. Yeah, but it's tough, man. We yeah. lived a rough we'll, life. You know, we'll, we don't want to get into I that. I could but. be wrong. I think they have actually, you can you can get a ride on a fishing boat if you're willing to pay a premium. Oh. And they'll never even know you're there. We'll get smuggled in. Yep. There you go. Now All we're right. talking. There we go. I'm doing Rob Nyer knows the back door <laughs> into Canada. All right. Well, hey, man, we really appreciate your time. We want uh, we want to plug Sabercast, which is a really good, that Brian Kinney episode was one of my favorite things. I love that guy's voice. Great baseball like mine all right question for uh, you. do you have time okay. for a question we do we got all yeah. the time in the world brian kenny has a great voice i would agree yeah fantastic on the podcast he was our first guest yeah uh and was great and one of the things i like about someone like brian is that unlike me he knows how to talk not only does he have the voice but all the sentences just sort of because he's a professional right yeah he's eloquent yeah so uh, it 
There are some people that I have heard on podcasts, for the most part guests, where I literally cannot continue listening because not that I don't like their voice, but because every sentence includes a like or a, you know. Ums, ahs, likes. It's more the... Yeah, more the likes and the you know, some of yeah. the other stuff too. But and these are sometimes professional entertainers. Yeah, um, might be singers or whatever it might be. I personally can't listen to that for very long. Um, I've, 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 I ran across the the argument today on Twitter that if you have that aversion, then you might be a racist or a misogynist. And I just can't. For me, it's, it's just a taste issue. It isn't that I don't like to listen to those sorts of people. It's that I just, it's distracting to me when those words pop into the sentence just as they would if, if I were reading and mm. I ran across that. Does that make sense? I didn't get, wait, why would you be a racist or a misogynist if you didn't like somebody saying like? Because people, people of color and females say like more than I think that's other the, people? I think that's the assumption. Oh. My, my initial thought uh, was, somebody drew. when I read that, I, I, my thought was, but I, I've... Uh, multiple times turned off interviews or podcasts and it was a white male who was doing those same things. Yeah. So uh, I think that yeah, I, I think that you shouldn't be attacking people who do those things but you shouldn't feel bad if it annoys you. No. Yeah, if, you know what if, I mean? If you find it uh, non-consumable it's, and it's your headspace, dude. I mean, and there's the vocal fry thing too. You've heard about that, right? With women. There's this, have you heard about the vocal fry? No. I can't hear it, but there are some people who listen to women on the radio, and they, they, they hear something that's called vocal fry, uh, and they find that unlistenable. I don't hear it. Yeah. Some people do. Um, that's a new one. That's huh. interesting. If you look it up, you will re- you will, it's a, a lot of women who are on uh, NPR and uh, This American Life are accused of having vocal fry. Apparently, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that men typically hear. Um, Again, I don't hear it, but if you do hear it and you can't listen to it, uh, there's no reason to criticize This American Life. You should probably just listen to something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know how I got off on this tangent. No, you it's said Brian Kenny. So Brian Kenny, it made yeah. me think Brian Kenny was awesome because he doesn't use likes or you knows. He's just fun to listen to. He is, and great. most of our guests have been fantastic. I yeah, think. I mean, when we started like. Like I said, like right there. But when <laughs> you you're fired, when you listen to yourself, you notice those things. Yes, and you. You start to just kind of—it's almost just beats As, beats yeah. it out of you. You just you just go, all right. Well, I don't want to say, I don't want to stall, I don't want to do you know these things. But it it takes a lot of practice, and some people are just going to be naturally better right. than you know. Some people run into those brick walls more. They're like, all right, what's my next thing? And some of these are just natural, eloquent talkers, and they can just go, and it never sounds like they're needing to readjust on the fly. And My favorite skill. you can learn, right? You can, yeah. yeah. You can and t- but if, you have to care. When you are being interviewed, you are trying, I think, to tell a story. Sure. And your story is going to be a better story if you're not interrupting it every right. sentence or two with a word that doesn't really play a role. Totally. Yeah, my favorite is like the post post game hockey guy interview, who says he said there's a lot of you knows. Yes, the sports, the, sports figures just are about notorious. I th- yeah, I think it's unfair though because those guys are at physical exhaustion, and if hockey, they might have gotten in a fight. They've been hitting the head a lot. <laughs> yeah, and they're just from you know Calgary, anyways. Right. You know, what's Fell what? Off. Do you want to jump in quick, Randall? Do you have something to say, yes, Randall? Yes, Randall. What do you have? To, oh, oh okay. I thought you were going to tell us what you were. I oh. thought Randall was. I thought you were going to say vocal fry. 
something. Yeah, he's gonna call. Yeah, he's us. gonna call Rob a racist <laughs> and a misogynist. No, he's homophobic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Finally, some controversy on this podcast. We've been waiting for this. No, I actually know exactly what you're talking about because one of my old teachers did this. It's when somebody talks so low that they're doing this a lot. It's just down. Oh, you know, you down here. I mean, yeah, bread and butter. I, I mean, that's you don't have a mic. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just what, those, I mean, those programs, NPR and, like, This American Life are... It's not lady-specific. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, All whoever, right. yeah, Ira Glass speaks like that yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. But I suspect that, that there are certainly men have a tendency to be annoyed by things that, that women do. Oh, yeah. Just they in general. Have, that's yeah. just, I... I, I just as men, a lot of men don't like to listen to women announce sports at all. There's it a lot isn't of heat. because of anything they're doing necessarily. It's because that they're women and they're, you know, frankly, uh, to some degree, it's because they're not used to women doing sports and they just can't deal with that change. Yeah, uh, it's a you change curve thing. have to kind of be thing. self-aware to realize, you know what, let me give this another shot. Sure. Because she might be great. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed some of the, the females that they've put on the NHL Stanley Cup this uh, last season, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Anyway, we got to get out of here. Can I mention one more thing very quickly? Yes, we want to yes. talk about the book real quick. Powerball. I appreciate that. Plug the book. Powerball, Anatomy of a Modern Baseball Game. Uh, it's been out since uh, last fall. I think it's it's supposed to remain current forever. It's uh, oh wow, okay. What baseball was like in 2017, but frankly, it's still exactly like that, except more in 2018. So uh, it did win. Uh, I, I, I never bring this up on my own. The but Kelly Award, right? Yeah. I did win an award. Casey Award. The Casey Award, yes, which it was a Casey. shock and a thrill. And uh, um, uh, I don't think it was the best baseball book published in 2018, but uh, but uh, it did win that award. So uh, I I accepted it. Um, Heck yeah. Take it. And, Take uh, it on home. Put it on the Every mantle. Monday, Sabercast with Rob Nyer. Uh, this week, Bud Selig. Was the wow. game. Whoa. Uh, which was commish uh, to commish. Interesting. <laughs> I did ask him some commish to commish questions, which there was you fun. Go. So you guys make a buddy uh, comedy. And I will now stop. The commishes. I will now <laughs> Where can they find you on social media quick? Because you do you do uh tweet about the league, which is I cool for any Brian Time fans. Uh, yes. Um uh, it's a good follow if you're interested in things beyond uh, pickles and uh, seeing kind of what's I, going on in the league. I have simply been Rob Nyer, R O B N E Y E R. Forever on Twitter, my email, uh, uh, my whatever. I just think it's easy. So perfect. Rob Nyer on Twitter. Um, yeah, we'll and, give him a uh, follow. He's a good hub for we all do, West I Coast do try League to, news. I tweet West Coast League things in addition to all the other jabberwocky that's rolling around in my head. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Rob, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Really love, appreciate love it. Love seeing you out at the ballpark and uh, go pickles. Go Can pickles. we get a go pickles from the commission? Is that commission approved? Go. Pickles uh, and uh, just name the other eleven teams. Yeah, the other, I, I, I could lame all of them. That's no, fair. I, that's fair. I, uh, I root for all of our teams to do well in the market and uh, hey. and and win at least 25, 30 games every season. Raises all boats, right? Yep, absolutely. Perfect. All right. Thanks, thanks Rob. guys. Let's go pickles. Let's go pickles. Here we are. Prepping for a new segment that's going to be here on Brian Time. It's going to be called A Walk in History. A Walk in History. Yeah, this is actually a suggestion of a fan uh, or listener to the program who said, hey, why don't you talk about people's favorite memories from Walker Stadium? So to gather these memories, we've put a post on our Instagram, Brian Time underscore pod. Go to the podcast uh, uh, Instagram page. 
follow us, like the posts, and we're actually going to give away one of the scarves uh, from Soccer Night, Portland Pickles Baseball uh, Soccer Night. They have scarves, they have uh, soccer jerseys, all this stuff. Well, we got our hands on one of the scarves, uh, and so that's posted on our Instagram right now. Go there, comment with your favorite um Memory. Memory or time or play or something anything happened. that happened at yeah, Walker something Stadium. Something that happened at Walk that, that st- stands out to you, and we'll we'll pick the one that you know that we like the so best. So we're gonna pick or, a winner, and they're gonna get the scarf. But we're also gonna read the ones that we like the most on this new segment uh, that will be recurring. Yeah, a walk in history. A walk in history. It's a good way. It's a good. I like the suggestion because it's a good way to connect it. You know, directly to. You know, we meet a lot of you guys out there, and it's and it's yeah. it's a pleasure to meet all you guys. So yeah, it would be cool Absolutely. to hear your experiences. Some of you guys have you know have been with the team obviously longer than us. You've been there since day one. So yeah, it's and it's cool. about the community. Yeah, absolutely, so, totally. So yeah, do what Jeremiah said. If you're on Instagram, if you're not on Instagram and you want to email us, yeah, BrianTime503 at gmail dot com. Send an email there. Uh, and uh, and Easy also, peasy. if you're on Twitter too, I guess it's the same Brian Time underscore Pod at Twitter on Twitter. So many ways to reach out. And if you're not on the internet at all, and you somehow happen to hear about this, just be like, come up to one of us and be like, here's my favorite memory, and we will relay it to these wonderful Brian Time listeners. So a walk in history. I'm pumped. A walk in history. Skitty bye, yeah. You might be in trouble. Midflick! 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 Talking about baseball moves with Jake and Jeremiah! Yeah, Midflick! We're back, baby, talking films about baseball. What do yeah. we got today? What movie are we talking about? And I actually sat down and I watched the entire thing. Oh. Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. From 1994. Starring. 1992. Starring. 1992. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. As Jack Elliott. Former Is he Magnum P.I.? World Series MVP. He does have the mustache. Is he Magnum P.I.? Yes. Oh, I thought you were asking. I think yes. Tom was a little before my time. That makes sense. So Tom Selleck is Jack Elliott. I've never seen this movie. Same mustache. He was a. Is that Magnum PR playing baseball? It's like no, it's Jack. Whatever. Jack Elliott. Jack Elliott. So is. uh, I don't know why I'm trying to make him sound like Sam Elliott. So, sarsaparilla. Hey, that's a good one. That's a good one. Sometimes you eat the bear. Sometimes (laughs) the bear eats you. you. Anyway, could you cut down on all the cursing, dude? <laughs> oh, now we're just all night. let's just start at the beginning yeah, of the movie. Sometimes there's a man <laughs> um, talking about the dude here. Anyways, never so- seen the queen in her damn dundies. <laughs> all right, Tom Selleck is not Sam Elliott. Jack they do have Elliott. a similar uh, Jack Elliott. Jack Elliott. He's Mr. Baseball. Why is he Mr. Baseball? So he was a major league. World Series MVP in oh. the majors. He played for the Yankees. Top of the world. Yeah. Four, ye- four years later, got a hole in his swing. He's getting traded. So here's one of my favorite parts is that the people in this movie, Art LaFleur is in this movie. You probably don't know that by the name, but Art LaFleur is the guy who played Babe Ruth, the Babe Ruth Ghosts in the Sandlot. I know that. 
Okay, that's Art Lafleur. Yeah, I know him. He's also played He's a, in a lot of stuff. He was in Field of Dreams. Yeah, he was. He's in Mister Baseball. <laughs> Guess who else is in this movie as a baseball player? Dennis Haysbert, who plays Serrano in Major Leagues. Oh, so it's like I, all these guys where I'm just like, God, you guys are built for this, right? Yeah. Anytime I see a guy playing like a, a typecast kind of thing, like there's a movie from the '80s with Tom Cruise in it called All the Right Moves. Where Craig T. Nelson plays a football coach. Yes. Before he was coach. coach. And you see that and you're just like, God, you were just building yeah. building into it, man. You know, you got one step in front of the other. Until exactly. Coach. Dennis Haysbert was also a great baseball uh pretender. But actually, not pretender in this movie, Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas plays the rookie who comes in and takes Tom uh Selleck's, Jack Elliott's spot. Or, sorry, so Jack anyway. Elliott. Jack Elliott, Tom Selleck. You got to get on the case now, Magnum P.I. Where's your swing gone? Well, he gets traded. So who does he get traded to? He From the Yankees to who? To the Nagoya Chiruchi Dragons. They trade him to the, a Japanese team? Yeah. Is that legal? Probably not. Oh, well, but- I mean, kind of, but it's a movie. I don't think I don't this think would happen that. in real life. But yeah, we have guys that, that sign from Japan. Japanese yeah, that's, leagues. that's voluntarily. I don't think you can be like, all right, bud, you're playing in Japan now. Yeah. See ya. Yeah, so that part got some Hollywood to it. Okay. So he goes over oh, there. I can just imagine that old school uh, preview. Like, he right. was the MVP. Now he's playing for the Dragons. Right, and so the scene is he's sitting there, and Art LaFleur is like, well, we, we traded you. And he's like, tell me it's not Cleveland. For the love of God, tell me I'm not going to Cleveland. And he's like, well, yeah, but it's not Cleveland. So then he gets to Japan, and so here's the thing. Being that this movie was from 1992 and was going to have some cultural stuff in it, I anticipated this movie being what we would call today problematic. Right? I thought there was going to be some stereotype sure. stuff and some stuff like that where I'm like, I'm not even sure we can like really talk about this movie as freely as we would like to. And I was pretty relieved to watch it now and find that there was some stuff like that. There's a couple mentions of things, but most of it was about Jack Elliott, Tom Selleck's character, not being open-minded to their culture. Not like, oh, he was just a racist. He was just dumb. And and most of the movie is him actually coming to terms He's just like chopsticks we use forks in america kind of yeah like well as he when he gets there he's sort of like a a we human he's a one line machine though like oh, he's just, he's he like is? coming around like hey greatest game in the world right tell me you guys still use bats over here and that kind of stuff right yeah. and then he doesn't think that anybody speaks english so he like comes out to the audience and he's like hey autographs for all the fellas mustache rides for all the ladies and then, like, some, some people are like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. This girl's like, who ends up being his love interest is like, I see mustache rides offered by fat Americans with their t shirts. And she it's usually, a, is she a Japanese girl? She's a Japanese girl. So that's the whole story is that he falls for her. She's like the publicist person for the yeah. dragons. Yeah. And so he finds out that in Japan, they own like your, um, like your rights. To what you can promote. Sure. So he's trying to make that money. Well, he doesn't want to do it. Oh. And so she's like, well, you have to advertise for these products. It's in your contract. And he's like, well, I don't really want to do it. So his manager and him don't get along either. His manager is like 
really a hard-ass guy who yells at everybody. He tells him he has to shave his mustache. He's like, I'm not shaving my mustache, chief. That's the he calls, look. He's like, you know, the look was when you could hit four years ago and you were right. still playing for the Yankees. Exactly. You're only on the Dragons because you can't swing. Sort of. Dragon burned up your bat, and now you're here in Japan. Yeah, and so there's a lot of stuff that he doesn't get right away that they do there. Like, the way that they shower is different. The way that, like... Like, you know, like, they seriously, like, it shows them all sitting on these little stools, like, showering in these little stalls. And And then... He's just like, I just like it when it's all the bros. So he just, but he, like, dumps, he jumps in this big, like, pool. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's gross. That's not how we do it. You're disgusting. (laughs) You know, and he's like, he has this translator, interpreter guy, who, uh, who's called, uh, a yogi. Yogi, uh, is the guy's name, and he's... Supposed to help him with all this kind of stuff, right? And he's like, yeah, I'll let you know if I need you to show me how to take a shit. And then he opens the toilet, and it's not a Western toilet. And he's like, uh, actually, I need you to come show me how to take a shit. So, I mean, there's funny cultural stuff like that, but what he finds out is that... That baseball uh, goes across all lands? Well, that the uh, the guy who's supposed to be inter- his interpreter is not actually interpreting what he says because he's a human one-liner machine. And so he's saying all this stuff that's basically disrespectful and inappropriate. Oh. And then he's then he figures out how to read the newspaper. And he's like, oh, I didn't say any of this stuff. So they kind of get in a fight. But it comes to terms with that. He finds out that this girl who's... Uh, there is a really funny slash weird scene where they go out for drinks. And... Uh, she tricks him and says, oh, I got you Japanese dinner. And he's like, I don't eat bait, sweetheart. She's like, no, this is good Japanese dinner. So they take you know, the lid off, and it's like a Kobe beef uh, steak, yeah. right? And she's like, it's fed beer and massage. And he's like, God, I should have been a cow. I should have been a Japanese cow is what he says. And so he eats his steak, and, and what she says is that uh, Japan takes things from all around the world and makes them her own, right? And he's like, okay. So he's kind of getting in this vibe. Yeah. Well, then they go back to his place, and he's kind of got, like, no real expectation. He's like, she's pretty much already shot him down on every level. And then she goes, uh, I want to I wanna make you a bath, right? She's like, okay. And she's already kind of said these things uh, to him when he's, like, fighting these commercials that he has to do. And she's like, you know, everything's Jack's way. Everything's Jack's way. And she says, acceptance and cooperation are also strengths, right? And it's like, hey, that's really nice. So then she keeps going to this button of acceptance, acceptance, right? So she says, I want to make you a bath. So he, like, goes and he gets in this bath, and he's like, that's kind of hot. And she's like, just accept it, right? So he gets in this bath. Well, then she comes in in a towel, and then she's, like, kind of rubbing his back, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm sure this is just, like, traditional Japanese real innocent bath thing or whatever, but... Actually, what's going on here, you know? And she's like, just accept it, right? And then they fool around and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's like a real kind of like cutesy but like also awkward scene. Oh. Um, but, yeah, they smash, and it's great. Um, and then. Okay, what's the end of this movie? Well, then then he finds out that what he goes it? to meet her family. And they don't like him. Well, he already knows they don't like him because the manager is her dad. Plot <laughs> twist. <laughs> So the manager that it, that they they hate each other is uh, also her dad, and that becomes a whole thing. Oh boy! He get 
she gets mad at both of them and leaves because right. he's like slurping noodles and just kind of being a jerk. Well, then he finds out that the manager had actually asked for him to be on the team. They wanted somebody else. So he put the manager oh, put his ass now, on the line. Now it's like coming together, and they're like, "Whoa, you care? You like me?" And he's like, "Yeah, dude." Well, and he's like, "If you can't produce, then I'm then I'm fired. I'm out. Oh. You're not gonna make it back to the bigs, and I'm fired." So it's so uh, they you know work together. Here comes the montage. They're working together. That no bats, right? He's like, "You haven't earned this yet." So he's just like making him run stadium stairs. And do all this stuff, and okay, of course, in real like real life, never would work. Right, of course not. The guy would be like, "This is dumb." Or plus, he would Tom just... Selleck, when 1992 was like already 50 years old. Yeah, like in real life, there's like no way his knees would have held up for this much. Dude, I've been doing a lot of Magnum PI, and and this this ain't good for the knees. Right. Well, and so Dennis Haysbert is also he's the other American on the team. They call him the Hammer. And he has introduced him to a bunch of other Americans that are there playing baseball, yeah. and they kind of like pal together sure. and help each other out along the way. So during the montage, Jack gets his uh, gets his swing back. They figure it out. Tries to get the girl back. Goes through all this stuff. Sure. And he starts hitting home runs. So he's actually challenging the coach's record. Of seven straight games of the home run. Wow, wow. They're just tying and, all this stuff into each other. Right. Okay. So he goes to see the girl and he brings her flowers and brings her wine. And one of her friends at her work says, you know, foreigner romantic, uh, foreigner charming, foreigner always leave. Right? And so she's like a Vietnam movie? <laughs> she's like, nah, that's not gonna happen this time. And then Basically, he does. the next time they're together, he gets a phone call from the Dodgers. Right. It's like, we're going to be at the game on Saturday. We're coming out to see you. You still got it, don't you, bud? Well, he's hit seven home runs, right. you know. So he's on the uptick while the the scouts come. He doesn't get pitched to because they just walk him. Because right. they, A, culturally, the Japanese teams don't want him to break that guy's record sure. in the Japanese league. I get it. Also, you know, he's been hitting a lot of home runs. Right. So he actually, on the third ball they throw him, he reaches out and tags one, scores Haysbert. Haysbert had a good game, the hammer. So then at the end, they show him talking to the scout. And he's oh. like, man, you're going to love being a Dodger, blah, 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 blah. And then it pans back, and it's not Tom Selleck. It's Dennis Haysbert. Ooh. So he got back in the show. Tom, Tom Selleck stays with – so the final scene is him, and he's in uh, – he might be in Cleveland. That would make sense. Anyway, he's taking BP, oh. and the Japanese girl is sitting in the uh, in the oh, stands. so he made it. And they're like, oh, your man still got it. And she's like, yeah, he does. And Crack. Then, Hit by a foul pitch. No. She dies. The rookie. It's <laughs> yeah. over. That's exactly what Your happens. man still got it. He does. Crack, babe, watch out. Ugh. They should put those nets up like they have yeah. in Japan. Well, that's... Um, Not quite. Oh, God. How long So is he's actually... <laughs> it's it's a pretty decent movie. Insanely long recap of this movie. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, well, how, well, what else could possibly happen? So he's the coach. Oh, oh he didn't get back twist. in the show. He's yeah, he's the coach. Your man still got it. 
they called him the chief, which is what he called the other guy in Japan. Oh. As, you oh, know. does he look to the west? Yeah. Does he look to the west and goes, this is for you, chief? <laughs> no, the new young kid comes in the botter's box, and he's like, hey, try this. And he's like, okay, chief. And then he's like, stops, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I mean coach. And he's like, no, 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 you can call me chief. Oh, wow. Dun, dun, dun. There's also a really great scene where there's a there's a on the home plate. He wears a Hawaiian shirt. Coach, you got to cover up your chest hair. There's a cultural thing in Japan where if you get drunk and and tell your boss off, like they can't do anything about it. It's like you get like one free pass. A mulligan on getting fired. And so he does that. He takes a bottle of Johnny Walker over. They get drunk and, and he yells at him. And that's kind of before the montage. That's how things that's when he finds out that the guy had asked him to come there. Okay. And they come to this whole realization. That's a great tradition, by the way. Yeah, I we think it sounds like a real thing. We should hundred percent adopt that in America. That would solve so many problems. Well, that was the other thing too, is like he didn't like the baseball they were playing right. over there. Whereas like the guys wouldn't lay out for fly balls. They wouldn't try to stretch doubles. There's all these things because they were so scared that they were gonna like lose face. Because culturally, you just don't want to lose face. You don't want to like embarrass yourself. And the coach was like really strict about yeah. all this stuff. So when he gets drunk, he's like, "Also, quit being a hard ass all the time. Let's have some fun, man. This is baseball. You didn't when you were a little kid. You didn't want to go to work. You want to go play. Like go play. Let us play." And so that's kind of how they oh, come to so there. It's a classic East meets West story here. It really is. Yes, with not all, very much racism in it, which Good. I was really happy about. Good for them. Yeah. It's mostly just about stupid Americans. Hey, yeah, we still got that. Yeah, Tom Selleck could do a movie about that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, awesome, Mister Baseball. Mister Baseball, it's a good flick. His one-liners are pretty good. He's like, you know, the hey, you got any naked pictures of your wife? You want to see some? You know, he's got classic Selleck. Yeah, it's good. Oh my goodness! Well, that was Midflix. Midflix, Jake and Jeremiah. Talking about baseball movies. This is my uh, MTV Unplugged version. <laughs> the acoustic set. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of Brine Time. Thanks again for joining us. We want to... Give a special shout out to Rob Nyer for coming into the studio. And oh, there was just one more thing I wanted to tell you about that baseball movie. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. That was just a. Joke. It would have been funny if you had like. No, seriously, they did this whole thing with the balls on there, like they juggled the baseballs, and then Japan. That means you're an amazing pitcher. They do tell him not to spit on the field. Oh, so it's very. So he does that. Okay. So oh, he, yeah. Of know, course. Like, don't yeah. spit on the field. It shows disrespect. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Not taking any of their crap. Yeah. Um, But yeah, thanks again to Commissioner Rob Nyer for the. So great. Great dude. Yeah. Wonderful talk. Very interesting guy. Has read his book. Lived a life in baseball, which is very cool. Just goes Uh, to show you. I mean. Hey, we could be him one day. Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. I can't read, so I don't know why I'd be pretending that I could write a book. But. 
Let's give a shout out to Cranival Studios here for yeah. recording us. X-ray, X-ray, putting us on the radio, putting it out on the old pod site. Uh, again, those socials, if you want to hit us up, especially for the contest and your favorite memories at the walk, it's under uh, Brian Time, Brian Time underscore Pod at Instagram and Twitter, and Brian Time five zero three at Gmail. And yeah, hit us up. We want to hear some of those memories. Again, we're always out at the games. I'll Jeremiah and I will be there for the next six games starting. Tomorrow. Well, yeah. Wednesday, this will come out on a Wednesday, so we've already played the Australian we record boys on Monday. Uh, for a three-game set. And then right after that is the San Francisco Seals coming up from the Bay Area. Or, so, or, Yeah, or. Th- that's their cheer if they score. We raise chairs, they go, <laughs> It's uh, That's why they're not a popular team. Or. Can I get an or? <laughs> Let Let's me get, get an or. 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 That's fun, uh, that's fun stuff. One, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we're very excited. It should be a fun week of exhibition baseball. Get some teams we obviously don't get to see. One coming from an entirely different continent. Yeah. And I another, heard they run the opposite way, like the toilets. They do. It's like future baseball down there. And then uh, the San Francisco Seals be interesting. To, I, I'm I'm interested. I love their logo. It's a very cool seal. Want to see some of that gear? Some of those unis. Yeah. And who's playing for them? Who knows? You know. So. Yeah, we're excited, and you know, we're we're turning the season around. Yeah, turn the season around. Hey, glory we're two Gainer. and one it's in the second Gainer. half right now. That's Glory Gainer. So you'll know. Yeah, thank you to Marimba Mike for the intro music. Dusty Fox for that outro. We'll see you at the walk. Go pickles. Go pickles. Yeah. Uh, light the spark out at Lens Park. Cracking wooden bats, slapping, illuminating the dark. Popcorn, sunflower seeds, PDX and North Precious in the West Coast League. Yeah, Portland, never known to be fickle. Deep in Southeast, that's the home of the pickles. Brian Time, home of the pickles. Brian Time, Brian Time, that's the home of the pickles. Carnival Studios.